Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Oh, Dan. Oh, my goodness. The MMA Outsiders is back. Episode 21. Oh, my goodness. It's our first show of 2023. After all this time away. And, Dan, it's sad to say, but the madness didn't stop even when we went away. I mean, 2023 has just been an absolute... Well, I mean, sports in general has just been an absolute train wreck to kick off the year. But MMA especially so. And there's a lot that we got to talk about just outside of the fights, like the fights that we're going to be recapping and the fights that we're going to be talking about from this week, uh, this coming weekend. It's, it's weird. It's all secondary in nature. Yeah, it's weird. And as I mentioned, um, almost every other week on this show, it feels like MMA is literally the one sport that has no off season. And this news cycle over the last 14 or so days that we've been away has been nothing short of uh, mind-boggling and makes you want to just bang your head against the wall because you don't know when this is going to end. So, Absolutely not. I mean, there's just... It, it's funny how a lot of the a lot of the madness, a lot of the stories are coming from outside of the cage rather than what's going on inside of it. Nevertheless... MMA Outsiders is back. This is episode 21. Make sure you follow us across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to follow the network too, the Empty Bench Network, at ETB Network, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, I'm Tom Albano. For those of you who have forgotten, in case you forgot, contributor at Fansided MMA. In case you forgot, that's Zambando. You can follow him at Zambando99 and at BJPen.com. All right, a lot that we got to get into today, and we're going to kick things off with, well, Zan, I mean, it's the story that has been the talk of the MMA town, bigger than anything that has been going on inside the cage, and that's, so, Zan, I have to start with a bit of a bad joke. Uh, You know Tana White's old show, Dana White looking for a fight? Well, uh, he found one, all right. And it was not good. So, no, it was not. TMZ has caught the UFC president uh, in a little incident at a New Year's party. He was with his wife. And basically, what was going on is the two were, according to Dana, a little heavily intoxicated. And these two got into a very big argument, which was captured on video that TMZ actually released in their story. And you see Dana's wife. Uh, basically, Dana White's wife gave him a little slap. His wife's name, Anne, I believe. Yeah, Anne. Uh, so Anne White gives a little slap to Dana as their little heated confrontation. And then you see Dana basically give a slap right back. And there were reports, there was at least one clear slap. There were reports maybe he gave another one or two. But at that point, the camera gets a little. And you see the you see somebody basically it seems to be a friend of the whites try to separate them, um, and the backlash has been quite interesting. So 
in depth. You had Dana White basically commenting on the story as TMZ released it. Like he he was part of the original story, as if uh, TMZ had basically a recent um had reached out to him before it was published. Uh, Endeavor, the parent promotion of the UFC, parent company, has said nothing. TBS has said nothing. ESPN has said nothing. Now, I mentioned TBS. TBS has no deal with the UFC. However, they do have a deal with Dana White. There is that power slap promotion, the power slap show, which is the slap fighting uh, that's going to be done Ultimate Fighter style with them living in the house and competing about and such. Um... That was originally scheduled to debut today. However, it has been pushed back to next week. And there was one point you saw reports coming out uh, that the Power Slap uh, promotion show, whatever you want to call it, wasn't even on the TBS calendar at some point, And that the links on the website were going to dead links. Uh, and now, actually, within the last day or so, there is a California caucus who has called for... Dana to step down as the UFC president has said that the non uh, commenting by Endeavor, by TBS, by ESPN has been disturbing. So, Zan, you've seen the footage. You've been following this story as much as I have. What are your thoughts as as a, as the story is as of this point? Whether it's just Dana's actions, his role, the non commenting power slap. What are your thoughts at this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've been following this story, and I don't want to call anybody out here to, to begin my rebuttal, but I don't know if you feel this way too, Tom, but I find it very interesting that there are very few, I guess you could say, prominent members of the of the media that are willing to actually speak on this without fear of hurting their reputation or losing what is already their position in the industry. And I find it very interesting that just people aren't seeing the side that's obvious. Both of them are in the wrong. Uh, Dana White is a face of a public company that's worth billions of dollars. He's built or rebuilt the sport from nothing to what it is today. And for you to see something like that, especially if, you know, you go back and do your digging and you see him say in a Fox Sports Live interview several years ago, you don't bounce back from putting your hands on a woman. That was in like, response to the Ray Rice situation in the NFL, like 2014. Exactly. And um, I think it's interesting to me that the silence is very uh, is very obvious, but I think Uh, There's a reason for that, and it's a sad one. And I think the reason is that the UFC has a partnership with ESPN that's worth $1.5 billion. That's what it's being reported as. And I feel like the UFC knows how much the ESPN relationship means to be on the worldwide leader. So I think they're kind of stepping over their toes a little bit because they don't want another network if ESPN decides to no longer use them. They don't want another network to not take in the promotion. And it's a it's a sad reality. But I think at this point, um, the reason why they're seeing all the silence is because th- they're realizing that there are financials at, the, at stake here. And that isn't to say that um, what Dana did was right, because what he did was clearly wrong. But you can just tell that the UFC wants nothing to do with this. There have been several 
reports by members of the media where they reached out to the UFC and literally their only response back is refer to the TMZ article. So if that doesn't tell you all you need to know on the UFC stance of things, uh, then, then I don't know what does. As far as what should happen to him, this is very conflicting because I think personally, I mean, th- this is a horrible incident. Should it take away from anything he's done in rebuilding the sport or legitimizing the sport? No, but but does it but does it uh, does it have a direct effect on the fighters and where they feel like they want to sign to to have you know the best chance of having the best reputation for their careers? Absolutely, we're going to get into more of that later. But I just think it's interesting to see you know the people who are making excuses for him, even though Dana has stated publicly that. There is no excuse. It seems to me like the MMA media, minus a few people, have really dropped the ball on what could be, you know, a call to action, something that the media has wanted for years. They want more accountability out of Dana, and this they feel like this is the time to speak up about it. I do think, at the very least, what they're going to do is they're probably going to keep him away from media scrums in the spotlight for a little bit with and the power slap who does, in fact, air next week. You could very well see Dana White be taken out of a lot of the clips that he was originally in. You could always, you could also see a possibility, too, of if the show doesn't do well week one and doesn't do well week two, that TBS could easily pull it due to ratings concerns. There are multiple different ways they could go. What I can tell you is it's highly unlikely, and this is just an opinion, but having followed the sport for as long as I have, it's highly unlikely that he will be forced to resign or will choose to step down on his own because that's not the kind of guy that he is, and it's obvious that he just wants it to blow over. What I do think will happen, though, as I stated previously, is he's just going to be taken out of um, the mainstream spotlight for at least the foreseeable future. But if you want his effort Fridays, uh, I guess we'll still be posting those every week for the foreseeable future. For, so, so, so there's that for the protonic crowd. I mean, you talk about accountability, Dan. And on one hand, he did show accountability through a TMC article where he basically admitted, yeah, I was drunk, she was drunk, and we <laughs> screwed up. And he basically said there is, as you said, no excuse for hitting a woman. I know there are those saying, "Oh, well, she and hit him first, but there is still it doesn't. It doesn't matter, right? You, 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 neither neither party should be hitting one another. Period. That's my that's 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 Especially, my. Especially as you said, he's the president of one of the biggest sports organizations in the world. Mm-hmm. That's not. And I, and I and I can guarantee you, if this was Adam Silver. If this was Rob Manfred, if this was Roger Goodell, this would be front page news and more than likely they would be axed from from their respective roles at their leagues. But I think because MMA still hasn't fully reached the mainstream as of yet, there's less coverage because ESPN knows that they're basically beating around the bush and whatever they say could come back to bite them in the ass, which is why um, a, a prominent writer at ESPN, I'm sure you've seen this, Jeff Weingum basically said we were not allowed to speak negatively on this instance whatsoever. In it fear was of- basically it was basically relegated to their in other news kind of section as like the top story there, and it was just basically a rehashing 
of the whole TMZ article. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you too, um, since the first take thing came out with Molly Kerum and Stephen A. Smith, what was your opinion on the way they handled that? I mean, as you said, Zan, ESPN is just kind of tiptoeing on the issue, saying that it was wrong. But, Zan, I think that this is a story that goes beyond ESPN. I think, as you said, you look at the the prominent MMA media members, and I'm not just I'm not just saying that this goes to Stephen A. Now, granted, Stephen A. is one of the most prominent sports personalities, not just at ESPN, but just sports in general. So, yeah, what he says is going to matter. But as you mentioned, there are a whole bunch of MMA personalities who have not commented on this story, mm-hmm. and basically, it just goes to show the kind of power that the UFC and Dana have, the fear that people have in terms of losing their spot. For instance, you're really not going to see John Morgan jumping all over the story, not when he gets the first question at every MMA media scrum and he's the pro UF, he's the uh, you know main face of the media when it comes to the UFC. The, the, same, goes, the same goes for Kevin Ioli, the well, Aaron Bronstead are briefly touched on it, but you can tell it was just one. It was just one tweet, um, and and that's interesting, by the way, Zan. When he and Dana had recently got into it, when uh, I forget which story it was, but he was posted. He had posted a video, and he was asking Dana the same question multiple times. I forget over which issue. Oh, it was about like a. You can look it up, but it was about like uh, a title. It was about a title change or something like that. Oh no, it was about the heavyweight division. It was about the heavyweight division. He was asking it a few times, a few different ways, and Dana basically was trying to walk around it. And he was being, you know, a little—I don't want to say forceful—but he was trying to like get a real answer out of Dana. Um, Kevin Ioli, which, by the way, I found it really interesting that the week that that article came out about Dana and the slap on New Year's Eve with his wife, Kevin Ioli published a news piece, basically one that talked about, you know, the praises of Dana White. That, yeah, you know, like you said, what he has done for the sport can't be taken away, but also not the time and place. Yeah, that that reminds me, what did you think of Kevin Ioli's article in the backlash that it received? I mean, it did smell fishy. I'm I'm not gonna lie. It it did smell a little fishy. That the timing of it. Yeah, I I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, and then again, Kevin Ioli is another guy that wouldn't want to lose his access either. And if you think about it, he might be the most long-standing MMA media member to cover the UFC currently that's had access to Dana White a long with John Morgan since the mid nineties. Those are the those are the two guys that have covered the sport for as long as any of us have. Correct. And <laughs> and I mean the uh, they're one prominent MMA media figure who has spoken up about it and no surprise is Ariel Hawani. Right. And he's been very vocal about oh for those of you who haven't seen it, he he went on a thirty minute tirade about about what this means and how it made him feel and 
that's also interesting. The backlash that he got was unbelievable to me because now I'm starting to realize that there are like pro there are pro Dana people on Twitter and there's there are a ton of anti aerial people on Twitter. That was super, super alarming. I that mean, was, yeah, I mean that's Zen. Just think about um think about what we saw outside of the MMA sphere when we, we look at the NFL. I mean, when the whole Deshaun Watson saga was playing out over the summer, you saw a lot of pro Deshaun. You saw a lot of Cleveland Browns fans, even if they were not pro Deshaun, they were defending their quarterback and such. It, it got to the point where it was a little disturbing to see how much backlash there was in that end. So kind of not surprising how MMA and its status in the sport and the UFC, I mean, in the sports world and the UFC and its status in the sports world, you know, how many pro Dana accounts, anti Ariel, anti MMA media people that there are out there. And that's why then I really combined with the fact that we talk about prominent MMA media members, not wanting to lose their spot and the UFC's basic control over this sport. That's why I think that nothing's really going to happen to Dana White, not to mention the fact that if you looked at the numbers with Endeavor, um, I forget, it came out several months ago, the UFC is Endeavor's biggest thing. Yep, it sure is. But by the way, to counter what you just said, Endeavor's down 6% since this happened. In the stock I mean, I mean that makes sense, but and but the UFC is still Endeavor's cash cow. They're not mm-hmm. gonna want to see anything, you know, major change even even in the face of controversy like this. No, of course. Um, and you had mentioned this in your introduction to this topic. What did you think of the of the California caucus and their letter to Artie Emanuel? And uh, do you think like what they were saying was was warned? It, or do you think nothing is going to come of that? Because I don't think anything's going to come of that at all. Zen, nothing's going to come of it. As I, as you were talking, as I said, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. That that's basically the response of the networks and of Endeavor and the UFC to this. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes to show how powerful Dana White actually is. But Zen, it also, but Zen, sorry to interrupt. But there's also. Kind of that caucus mentioned something. Wouldn't it be very hypocritical if now, several months later in 2023, we see a UFC fighter get released on some on a domestic violence uh, incident? Yeah, and speaking of domestic violence, it's not like the UFC is at the greatest track record with DB either. I mean, they bring back fighters all the time. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, even, even when they've knowingly done something. Correct. I mean, Zen. I mean, just look at staying in the world of combat sports. Well, I don't know how much you view it as combat sports, but look over to their distant cousins at the WWE. Vince McMahon, despite all that he has allegedly done, despite all the hush money allegations and reports and the investigations by the SEC, he's coming back. Granted, it might be just to sell the sell the WWE, but he's coming back after all of this. It just goes to show, and I'm kind of sad to say that it's like if you have all the money and power in the world, there is nothing that can stop. Yeah, I guess it still uh, it still uh, holds true that uh, money can't buy happiness, and uh, 
I guess that's exactly what we what we witnessed. What I can say though is this. Um, I mean, and I'm not trying to to beat a dead horse, but uh, I'll say this: it'll be very very interesting to see um, if the UFC, I guess, PR team still goes about this in the same way they are now because they have two massive pay-per-views coming up in the next month. And I guess thank goodness for them, quote-unquote, that they're both internationals. More than likely, Dana won't be at either of them. But it'll be interesting to see what happens as these numbered events and especially these bigger numbered events come closer and if you'll see him on a more often basis. And if the UFC will say, oh, don't ask any questions about such and such, which they probably will. More than more than Michael. I mean, we've seen that happen before with UFC uh, press conferences where they pressure media members not to ask questions about certain controversial topics. Uh, but like you said, Dan, and considering what's going on, like I said, with their distant cousins at WWE, I think they're going to go on a thing like you kind of said. A lot of international cards coming up. I mean, even though the UFC on February 4th is an international, it's going to be focused towards the uh, South Korean market, so they're going to air that at 1 a.m. in the morning. Fantastic. Uh, So a lot of international-focused cards coming up. I don't know. We'll see Dana at a lot of them, if any at all. And And even if he does go to these events, if he's even going to be, you know, as you said, taking media scrums and such, it's going to be interesting to see how the UFC goes about it, but as you kind of implied, they're going to try to maybe downplay his spotlight. As far as the power slap promotion goes, Zan, I got a feeling even if it is going to air next week, I, I got a feeling it's going to be a one and done. I, I feel I feel like unless it has some pretty big ratings, if it's just okay ratings, I think they're going to combine this with the controversy and just one and done it. And yeah, if the ratings are if the ratings are really bad, if they're shit kind of bad, I don't see, I could see it only lasting a few weeks before it's camped. Uh, well, that leads me to my next question. Are you going to watch Power Slap next week? I mean, I found it stupid already, but after something like this, I probably not. Okay, I'm on the opposite. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna see it to see how bad or good it actually is. I'm, I'm. Right, I'm let I'm, me, I'm, let me ask. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Okay, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see it. Let me ask you this, then, Zan, because uh, you we mentioned uh, MMA media members, and we mentioned like John Morgan was one of the ones who reported that it was being delayed a week and not outright canceled. And a couple of people had tweeted at him, "You better not." give any promotion you better not write about this on and on you know all the different websites and such like mma junkie if in your opinion an mma media member or an mma media outlet covers this is that a bad look considering what's happened with dana now i would say yes but then again a lot of these websites now try to call any specific one out i promise that a lot of these websites uh have to generate traffic, and if that's the thing on that night that's going to generate them traffic with no other MMA content to talk about, that's what they're going to cover. Because, it's, it's, yeah, yeah as, as you mentioned, 
and again, not trying to call any sides out. And honestly, Zan, I would even start to say this is just becoming a commonality, not just with MMA media, but just sports media in general, where these jobs are basically, they earn money by clicks. Yeah. It, it's the sad truth. I would love uh, media and journalism to be a place where, you know, people can actually earn more wages like actual full-time jobs, but unfortunately that's not the industry right now. No, it's not. And uh, I think as long as there are clicks, there's going to be media who will cover stuff like this because it's what's going to generate traffic. I will, I will say this, though. If the first episode is hilarious, then I might be guilt. I might I might have some guilt and get sucked into it if the first episode is actually quite entertaining in some ways. Uh, the characters seem interesting. We don't really know anything about them. Um, but yeah, I just think this whole situation is bizarre. And uh, I don't know. I think social media is a crazy place. And I think that um, the people are just doing whatever they want to do. And I think you want to talk about tone deaf. The most tone deaf thing that, that you'll see out of all this is when uh, is when Steve will do it, decided it would be a good idea to post a picture with Dana White showing how much money they won at the casino the other day. That's pretty that's, – and he's going to be releasing it in his newest YouTube video on uh, on January 12th. So the day after uh, this uh, this airs. Hold on, so. Dan. Hold on. I have a response to this. Hold on. Give me a second here. I, I got it. I got a pretty. I got a pretty interesting response to this. That's not it. I, I, I kind of have to say that for a lot of this. Know you moron when it comes to Dana just slapping his wife. Know you moron when it comes to Steve-O. And uh, but like you said, the flashing the money at the casino with Dana White. And know you moron to... Know you moron to everybody who's just being silent about this. That, that, that I think, that clip just emblemizes everything about this. Uh, very, very well said. That leads me to our final question before we move on. Okay. Um, if someone asked you this question, okay, I'm going to try to phrase it very carefully. Would you rather? Would you rather train for your first Dana White Contender Series fight, knowing that you're fighting somebody who you're going to beat and has a below 500 record? Or would you rather be taken to an all-expenses-paid trip to a UFC event in Las Vegas where part of the trip experience is sitting cage-side with the boss man himself? What would you What would you rather do, given, given, given you, this entire story? You lagged a little bit on my, on my end in that first option. What was the first option? First option is um, if you were asked to train for a Dana White Contender Series fight, but you were given a fighter that was below 500. 
Jeez, you gotta put me on that spot, all right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I have to. Uh, I'm tempted to say the second option because you know my fighting days aren't exactly. <laughs> I mean, I trained karate for years, but uh, those days are long in the past. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Even if a I mean, because you say it's under 500. Technically, they could throw me in there with a 4 and 5 and go, eh, well, that's under 500. Yeah, that's true. That's why That's why I attempted to trick you. That was the whole point. I don't, you know, I mean, it's the, it would be the Dana thing to do to, uh, well, it's under 500, technically. That's true. All that's right, true. uh. Speaking of guys who might be given fighters under 500, Zen. <laughs> uh, hold on. Wait a minute here. So, Jake Paul, after all this time and all these trading of barbs with Dana about, you know, oh, come to MMA. See how you hold up in an actual MMA fight. Well, it seems like he will, except he's not going to go with the UFC. No, no, no. He's going to go with their uh, their cousins over, their ESPN cousins with the Professional Fighters League. So, we talked about the PFL in their expansion to pay-per-view, they held their championship for the 2022 season on pay-per-view. ESPN Plus pay-per-view, I should specify. And it seems like the plan is to air more pay-per-views, and they're going to have a whole division of fighters that will be basically competing in super fights and just competing on the pay-per-views. And, well, they've signed Jake Paul to this division. Yeah, um... I gotta say this. <laughs> um, you might hate me for this, but sign me up because I have waited to see this for years. I've only ever wanted to see Jake Paul A fight somebody his own age, B fight somebody who is an MMA fighter, and C fight someone who will actually give him real competition. I think the PFL checks all these boxes. And and even better, because Jake Paul is Jake Paul, and he likes the name next to him, he gets to fight in the super fight division. To me, that means that the division is tailor-made for yours truly from Cleveland, Ohio. That's what, the, the, that's what that means. And also, also, Tom, would you or would you not agree that Jake Paul's announcement video was one of the most cringy six-minute videos you have ever seen. In your I couldn't entire- get through all of it, Zan. I couldn't kill it. I tapped from the cringe. I watched the entire video, and I hate to say I did, but I did. <laughs> uh, Zan, you say that they're going to give him a challenge. It's going to be somebody his own age. Are you 100% certain of that? Are you 100% certain the PFL is going to do that? Yeah, I am. I mean, this is a real business. They're trying to legitimize themselves as number two. It would be the only right thing to do from a matchmaking perspective. And I'm trying to be politically correct today. I'm not trying to be politically incorrect. But the politically incorrect thing to do is to put him up against Nate Diaz. 
that is the that is that is the politically incorrect thing to do. <laughs> uh, Which is probably what they'll end up doing, considering that that is part of his two fight deal. He's going to box Nate Diaz and then go over to MMA. So, what I can say is this: um, if you want to if you want to spend eighty four dollars to potentially watch Jake Paul get knocked out. Um, your your wish of getting into MMA as a bandwagon fan in 2023 has been granted. I'll, I'll, say, I'll, say, I'll say that for any of you for any of you suckers on the fence who want to be a bandwagon this year and only want to buy Jake Paul's MMA fights, not boxing matches, MMA fights, your wish has been granted. Zen, here's what I'm going to say. Be honest with me, yeah. Like you, you say that with confidence that the PFL. I mean, now granted, if it's gonna be Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, I guess I would pay it because I think Nate Diaz would wipe the floor with Jake Paul, I unless so. he get, unless he gets the attitude of Anderson Silva and that finds, hey, I've made my money, whatever. But then, Sand, there's part of me that says, imagine if PFL <laughs> just says, you know what. Just for the fact that you know we get we got him fighting and we got everybody's money, we're gonna put him in there with Dada Five Thousand. <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a PFL card in Japan where these super crazy super fights are good. And we're gonna put Jake Paul in there with Dada Five Thousand. Well that, well, that well, that sounds to me like Triller reincarnated. Is what that is what that sounds like. Golden, golden boy MMA reincarnated. Golden boy MMA. What a wasted six months of crap. Okay. Anyway, I have. <laughs> yes, it was. Okay, I have to. I have to ask you. I have to ask you this now, because you keep you keep uh, taking me off my my train of thought. It's 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 okay, but I I have to. I I I have to ask you this now. What is what is your opinion when I tell you that Jake Paul will fight as many times as Dylan Dennis has fought in the last four years in one year? <laughs> So, in other words, sorry, Dylan Tannis has fought, what, two, three professional MMA fights? Yeah, and he hasn't fought in, like, four years. Okay, so you're saying that within 2023, Jake Paul is going to fight twice? Yeah as, yeah, as many times as Dylan Tannis has fought since 2018. <laughs> um, hmm. All on the fence. That's an interesting over-under, too. But, uh... I could buy it. I could buy that he fights twice. I mean, especially if the PFL, if the PFL, uh, and what they want with their uh, ESPN pay per view expansion, if they're gonna get what they want, they'll probably book Jake Paul twice. I have to ask: Could you imagine if the PFL did a crossover fight between Face Temper and Jake Paul? <laughs> No. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> I had to, I had to ask because apparently Tyron Woodley, you can check it out on BJPen.com. I wrote a story that Tyron Woodley is talking mad shit that he 
it's to fight Phase Temper, but first Phase Temper is to fight KSI. I know we're aggressing a little bit, but this this YouTube crossover madness makes no sense to me. But I will I will say this: it would be the most Jake Paul thing ever if he wins his first fight in the PFL and he calls out um he calls out um I uh, I don't know um uh, uh, Amoslav or, uh, or or one of these. Or, and these other PFL fighters, it actually challenges them to a real fight because that that would be the most Jake Paul soundbite moment ever to try to take on the entire PFL. That would be that would be that would be important. And you know what I will say, Zan, if that actually happened, you know what my response will be. Hey, I guess I guess if the PFL can sell pay-per-view buys, uh, it's a good investment. And I'm sure that a lot of people. This is okay. This is the equivalent. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what this is the equivalent of. This yeah. is this is the equivalent of when Bellator thought it would be a good idea to headline Hoist Gracie versus Ken Shamrock when both of them were over seventy years old. Oh God. And I just mentioned Dada 5002 because he versus Kimbo was the co-main event of that. That was one of the worst cards I think I've ever watched. That's true. And don't be surprised if uh, you go to buy the Jake Paul fight. And then, of course, it doesn't work. So it it could be a bad year for ESPN or it could be a really good year. I don't know. Maybe you'll have some weird NFL crossovers in the PFL. You'll get you'll get you'll get Adrian Peterson in the super fight division. Next thing you know, you get Wayne and Bell in the super it's just gonna be a mismatch of characters who aren't even MMA fighters. You never you never know. Come on, PFL, don't do that to me. And you know what? Since we're bringing up Dada five thousand. And looking at explosivity at its finest, aggression. Throwing every punch with conviction back behind blunt force trauma. <laughs> I always come back to that line like every month at one point. Yeah, that's like the epitome of the just breed guy, but using words is ba- <laughs> is, is, is 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 basically what that is. All right, Zan. Moving on. Unfortunately, we usually do three big stories. The third one, uh, unfortunately, gives us a little bit of a. Tragic turn. Victoria Lee, who competed for one championship a couple of times, one of the youngest MMA fighters there, was uh, in the current era right now, sister to Christian Lee and Angela Lee, some great athletes in one championship, one champions themselves. Uh, Victoria Lee sadly has passed away at the age of 18. As of our recording, there has been no cause of death announced. And he was only 18 years old. Uh, actually, and in response, um, the Lees have basically closed their MMA gym permanently. Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. They were a rising family in one championship. Uh, the, the, these are uh, these are people that I used to cover back at my days um, with fan-sided when they were prominent um on the card and obviously Victoria was one of them. And uh, there was just so much potential uh, from her. And it's just very unfortunate that this happened to 
but to someone who was so young and had so much potential at 14, 15, and even 16 is when she really started to to take notice uh, on the MMA scene, and it's a brutal loss for the one family, the MMA community, and I think one of the pioneers of uh, of of that of that promotion for sure, uh, pioneers of that region of the world when it comes to MMA uh, acceptance, especially for for uh, for women as well, and someone that is going to be hard to emulate in the future. But I think there are a lot of lessons that can be taken from her in the sense that. You know, you can be a prodigy at 17 and 18 and 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 even 16 and make her dreams come true. And she did her very best to do that. I was looking forward to seeing her compete uh, uh, this year. Obviously, that's no longer going to happen, unfortunately, but just someone that, you know, in the in the women's MMA community and in the one championship community was very respected. And it's a very unfortunate loss for all involved. And just my thoughts go out to... Uh, her family, everyone associated with her gym. And uh, again, it's unfortunate to hear that the gym has closed down uh, because of this, but uh, but I, I can't imagine what they're going through at this point. And uh, no matter the sport or the circumstance, it's always tough to lose someone close to you. And uh, that's what we have here. Yeah. The closing of the gym has to be concerned about the well-being of the entire Lee family, including Christian and Angela and their futures, but at this point, their fighting futures. Who cares, honestly? I right. mean, this, this is. I mean, who cares if you know whether she was two and zero, three and zero, one and two? Who cares what Victoria Lee did in, in MMA? She's eighteen years old. She barely had a taste of life, and it's such a shame and such a concern about what may have happened to her. And Victoria Lee, as you mentioned, you know, there was, because I was with you when we were seeing Victoria Lee um, basically have her start in this sport. I remember you and I and Amy and others at Fansided, there was all this, you know, hype around her and what she could ultimately become if she would eventually get to the level of world champion like Christian and like Angela. Yeah, we all yeah we all covered her in the same light, and we all kind of took more notice to one championship because of the Lee family, and we started covering it more because of uh, Victoria specifically, and uh, and um, Angela as well. Christian, we had already dove into quite a bit, but it was it was the sisters that we really started to highlight, and I think. To be quite honest with you, in some small way, we helped one championship build those potential stars. And it, it's crazy to say that, but it's true. One championship doesn't get the same level of coverage that Bellator or the UFC gets. So, yeah, I definitely remember those days. And it was like right at the beginning of when I really started to consistently do stuff in the MMA space was around this exact family. So, from a from a personal standpoint, it does hit me a little bit that like wow, I actually did cover this family at one point pretty extensively, and um, yeah, and that kind of that kind of thought actually just hit me as we were started to talk about this. Just you know how much we covered the Lee family over at Fansided, and just an unspeakable tragedy, losing somebody so young at eighteen, losing somebody who had the world ahead of her. Who, as you mentioned, 
already has success in MMA as a teenager, one of the youngest, you know, up and comers in the sport. And, you know, my heart goes out to the Lee family. My heart goes out to Christian and Angela because just thinking of what they're probably going through right now is unspeakable. Yeah, and um, it just goes to show that uh, sometimes life is too short and you have to you have to uh, live every day to the fullest. And I do think that's what they instilled in themselves and uh, hopefully her legacy will carry on forever. And to be quite honest with you, it wouldn't hurt one championship to not change the name but make a slogan in her honor just because of how much she meant to that promotion and even putting her name on the side of the cage too would make a lot of sense in my well, opinion. Well, Zan, one championship I think does have a fight night event on Amazon Prime coming up this weekend. So I'm curious as to what they are, if they're going to do anything this weekend in terms of tribute. I think they probably will knowing how classy their broadcasts usually are and the way they go about going above and beyond with their production value and all that. I'm sure they'll do something without a doubt. All right, so those are our three big stories from this week. Going into recap time, uh, before, I mean, during our time where we were on break, Bellator and Ryzen had their big car. We previewed it right before we took our little holiday break. And Bellator got, well, let's put it this way. This was domination. Bellator dominated with a clean 5 nothing sweep. Um, one fight, Guan Archiller versus Su Chul Kim ended in a split decision. The rest unanimous decisions for Bellator. You had AJ McKee putting off a great display. Well, he already had a big entrance that cost him a whole lot of money just to perform. Uh, and then he goes out and makes work of Roberto de Souza. Pretty, pretty competitive fight. Um, but Nevertheless, McKee pretty much had the fight, though. Uh, Patricio Pitbull versus Glaber Gerbst. I mean, this that fight was pretty one-sided. Yoji Horiguchi pretty much had a one-sided win over Hiramasa Ogikubo. And then Gatsi Rabadanov defeated Koji Takeda in another fight that was pretty, I don't want to say as one-sided, but had its level of uh, one-sidedness. So, overall, Zan, did you feel the same kind of one-sidedness that I felt with this broadcast? Yeah. um, I'll be the first to admit that I didn't catch it live. It was too early in the morning. And I'll be honest with you, my stream kind of cut out during some of the major fights, so I caught the the results after the fact. And um, I honestly think this was a flop. And... Truly, as much as they want to do it again, I think it would be a bad business decision because it's just obvious that Bellator is the more superior promotion. The Ryzen fighters just don't have the level of competition that some of these Bellator fighters had. And you and I may have been hyping up Ryzen a little bit too much. This was the expected result. And honestly, I don't see it being any different when they transition to a Bellator cage in a year's time and do this again. I just, I don't really see it. And it's just one of those things where it's like the cross-promotional stuff is cool, but 
I have to give Bellator a little bit of criticism here because if this was promoted like more strongly and it wasn't on tape the way and the names were slightly bigger, I think people would have cared a little bit more. But just going by the results, it was obvious that that was not the case. And I don't really think it was received in the same way that Bellator would have wanted it to. And that's my biggest criticism. Okay, Zen, let's talk about some of that. Because I think the bigger story with this card was everything on the outside and the production level. Because I will say it was kind of cool to watch those entrances. I didn't get to watch it live either. Um, but it was kind of cool to see those entrances, to see basically it had the Ryzen setup. You know, it had the ring, it had the ring introductions as a, tradi- a traditional Ryzen broadcast because this did take place when it was uh, when it was live. It was taking place right after Ryzen 40 had taken place. Um, but as you mentioned, you talked about it being live, but you were watching on a stream. That not a lot of people were lucky in that. A lot of people had to deal with the tape delay. And I mean, here are like people like Big John McCarthy and the rest who mention the difficulties of television production and the difficulties of media rights because since it was a rising card technically, they had the media rights rising for as much as we just talked about how the rising fighters don't have the level of expertise it seems when it comes to, you know, compared to the Bellator ones. Ryzen is still pretty big over in Japan. People do pay the money to watch those pay-per-views when they happen. Kind of like we said, a spiritual successor to the Pride Fighting Championships. Uh, and it was cool to see that kind of style of broadcast with all the Bellator graphics and the Bellator commentators. But I don't know. It was kind of it was kind of disappointing because I tried to avoid spoilers, but they were out there because I tried to mute everything, but I follow people, you know, who cover this sport. So, Zan, I mean, what did you think about them airing on tape delay? And what are your thoughts on, you know, some of our fellow MMA media colleagues who went and posted results as they happened, even though they was going to be on tape delay in America? <clears throat> Yeah, I'll be the first to admit, and this is not a knock on you, this is just a fact. I've followed MMA for a little bit longer than you have, so I'm used to this taped away thing. Although, oh, I am too, yeah. Although it's been years since I since it was prominent. Um, I will say that this taped away thing needs to go away. Everything should air live, whether it's in an ungodly hour in the morning. Everything needs to air as it's happening. Um, I don't think it was a good idea for the MMA media to put out spoilers because that link that I'm referring to was only sent to various people. Not it was not accessible to the public. It was it was only sent to a certain number of people that were on a listserv, and I just think it kind of makes the media look bad because what if you haven't seen the fights yet? You know, what if you are waiting for the Showtime broadcast? It's like, I understand they're doing your job, but it's like, who's going to read the results before they watch the fights? I I don't really know of anyone who does that uh, anymore. And that's just my opinion. I just don't think fights should be on tape delay. But that's what I that's agree. Great. 
I kind of agree. Like, I understand the MMA media was doing their job, but, and I blame, and I understand media rights are a really complicated deal. But at the same rate, I mean, what do you expect when something's on tape delay in the year of 2023? Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm interested, I am still interested to see what would happen if next year. You know, Bellator, if Bellator gets the home field, if they're actually air it live or how they'll go about it. But yeah, I, I got to say, the event was a little bit of a disappointment. I will agree. Yeah. And we don't know, we don't know the ratings for the Showtime broadcast, do we? Uh, I can quickly try and look that up and see if there is any. Ratings uh does not appear to be just okay. Okay. Oh, speaking of Bellator, um, what are mm-hmm. your opinions on it potentially being up for sale next year? Uh gonna be interesting. I mean, I remember when it got sold to Viacom and Bjorn Rebney got kicked out, and Scott Coker came back, and Scott Coker came back in. I wonder what kind of changes would be made, and I wonder who would be a potential buyer. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I will say, I will say, obviously, the big elephant in the room would be what if Endeavor and the UFC come after them? Because that would be, if Endeavor and the UFC buy Bellator, that is going to be one of the worst things for this sport. Oh, and I think that would mean if they buy Bellator then the lawsuit that's currently going on would have to go to the fighters because then it would be a complete monopoly, not just the monopoly that they're being accused of. Now, like, like, if, like if that happens, then it's clear and obvious in my, in my, in my opinion. For sure. Which right. I doubt, which, which I doubt, but by the way, I, I doubt they'll go after Bellator. I think Scott Coker is going to stay the president and it'll probably just go to something else. It'll just it'll just go to another company that we're not thinking of at the moment. The only the only downside to that, Dan, I mean, which would be great for Belter, but that would mean the potential of another change in broadcast network. Which that if that happens, that's what three times within the last three or four years. Do you really think so? Because I think they have a good relationship with Showtime. I think they do have a good relationship with Showtime, but again, it depends on who would buy them. Right, or who knows if Viacom is willing to put up the money. You never know. Right, so that's stuff that we got to see. Unfortunately, we won't see for quite a while. So I'm just going to take the time and appreciate Bellator for what we have it now. Obviously, they're going to be on CBS, the main channel CBS, first time that a non-UFC yeah. card is airing on network television since 2010. So, yeah, I like, think, Tom, I think that event's going to show a lot. If that event does well, and it does really well, and the ratings are awesome, and the main event delivers and over-delivers, that's going to be a big win for Viacom. If it if it doesn't, then there's going to be talks. They're going to start to ramp up more than what you're seeing at the moment. This is being subtly reported, but it's not being reported as extensively as it probably should, in my opinion. Here's to seeing it. All right. I didn't really get to see too much of Tank Davis and Hector Garcia. Uh, uh, you didn't you, you didn't watch it live? I did. You watched it live? What did you think? Uh, 
I was pumped for it all day. I'll say I'll, I'll say that I watched the I watched the All Access the day before. I watched the press conference. I watched the weigh in. I was super invested in this fight. I was super pumped for this fight, and I thought it was a phenomenal fight. I thought that Hector Garcia gave Davis everything that he could. Um, he tried to throw Davis off his game. Obviously, Gervonta Davis is known as a power puncher, um, and he knew like round six and seven. Uh, you could argue he lost round six and round seven or one or the other, depending on how he scored the fight. But it was obvious that Davis was looking for the finish, and that's what he got. He couldn't come out before round nine, as the headline suggests. And uh, Davis proved that he's the best in his division. And uh, I got to say this. I think that uh, I think that Showtime has a, uh, has a massive superstar uh, that has a lot of crossover appeal. And this Ryan Garcia fight, if this is a joint zone Showtime production in April, this fight's going to be absolutely massive. And it's even crazier. This isn't on. Uh, this isn't on our agenda. But you could potentially have a scenario where you could have Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia one weekend, and in the, the next weekend you have Earl Spence versus Keith Thurman. That so is actually, Zan, I actually do have that. I do have that. Before I get into that, I was actually, Zan, a little concerned that this fight wasn't going to happen after Tank Davis got arrested during our uh, during our holiday break. Sure did. Um, I don't know what I mean, maybe you know better than me, but I didn't see what happened for him to get out of that per se, but I, I felt the same way that you did. Because I, I, thought, I thought when that broke that they were going to cancel the whole card. <laughs> I thought, I thought so too. I thought this pay per view was going to be canceled, but nevertheless, it went on. Like you said, it was a competitive fight. Maybe Ryan Garcia's next. And Zan, you kind of teased. You said, "Oh, well, you don't have that around." No, because I saw it break just before we started recording. Why well, I appreciate? I, I I appreciate that. That's what a good. That's what a, that's what a good host does. Because that, my friend, is a fight, and that is a fight that we've been waiting to see for over three years now. Yes, and yet, Zan, part of me still wants to say this. Boxing gets in its own way. Because I, as, yes, you know what, credit, this Spencer's Thurman fight is good, but Thurman also competed last year. It was his first fight in three years, and it's basically going to be over a year since that last fight, and I'm sorry. This needs to be Spence versus Crawford. I know we've we've reiterated that fight so much on this show, but can this fight happen this year? Can we please get Spence Crawford? Agreed. Watch this fight randomly take place. Spence versus Thurman in like Chicago or something. Hey. Would you go? <laughs> would, I go would I go to that fight? Uh, my my question for you is uh, is that is the Pope Catholic? So the answer is <laughs> so the answer is yes. I would go. I would I would go to that fight. Good. Yeah, All right. That, uh, <laughs> if that fight was anywhere close to me, I would, I would, I would go, or I would highly, I would highly consider going. Um, if if I can either be sent there, or depending on how much tickets are, but that would be that would be that would be an amazing way to be able to say that I covered. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now All we're right, moving. In, but now we're moving back into MMA. We actually have a UFC card to talk about. 
and it's the most UFC thing yeah. ever because there isn't even a poster for it right now because the main event just got switched like a day ago. Yeah, so in the most UFC thing to UFC, and or we, or we should say maybe the most 2023 to happen in 2023 because this year has just started off craziness. Um, it was supposed to be MMA versus uh, Calvin Gastelum. And then Calvin Gaslam gets a mouth injury. And on a few days' notice, Sean Strickland steps up. We just saw Sean Strickland fight successfully in the last UFC Fight Night card. Zen, do you know who was the last fighter to headline back-to-back UFC cards? Like, one UFC card, one UFC event, and then the next? Was it Tito Ortiz, UFC 29, and UFC 30? Uh, let's see. That's right! See, as I told you at the very beginning of the show, I'm like a UFC savant. I know <laughs> I know all that. But so, this reminds Sean me Strickland. this this reminds me when Christoph Soshinsky he wasn't the main event, but this reminds me when Christoph Soshinsky competed at UFC ninety seven and UFC 98 and one in the same fashion in both fights. That's what this reminds me, Sam. This, this actually reminded me of when Cowboy Cerrone fought Eddie Alvarez, and then it wasn't that long later that he, I think it was Eddie Alvarez, and then he fought uh, Benson Henderson. And then Benson Henderson, not long after losing to Cowboy Cerrone, fought on a UFC fight night. Just a couple of weeks later, ended up getting a win. So we look at this fight here, Zan, with uh, Strickland and Imamov. So Strickland, I said, I actually said successfully, I meant unsuccessfully, competing against uh, Jared Cannonier in the last I, fight. I, I, I was gonna, I, I was gonna say, I'm like, what? He, he lost. <laughs> Unsuccessfully, I meant competing against Jared Kenny. Lost, obviously, the fight with Alex Pereira that I have still no idea what the hell he did in that fight. But then prior to that, Jack Hermanson. (laughs) Jack Hermanson, Uriah Hall, Christoph Jocko, Brendan Allen. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got even (laughs) though, let me pull up uh, his his recent fight history. Uh, Defeating Joaquin Buckley in September. Beating Edmund Shabazian, Ian Hine, lost to Phil Hawes in February 2021. So, Zan, you look at this fight, and you look at the fact that Sean Strickland is coming in on just a few days' notice. And who do you feel like a short-notice fight favors more here? Strickland, who hasn't had to be ready and has only had the one opponent, or Imamov, who has needed to be ready, and now he's got to potentially maybe switch up everything that he's been doing in preparation for a new opponent after the week's notice. Well, first off, can I just say that I hate this fight <laughs> to begin with? Because Can I say the same? Yeah, I, I hate this fight for the sole reason that, A, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> B, this fight is just trying to save the card. And See, to answer your original question, you have to favor Imovov here because he's actually been training for the fight. 
And Zan, do you want to? Let's add another element to how messed up and the, let's say the card thing is. They're both middle. They're, they're going to be competing at light heavyweight, and they're both middleweight. It's like now, now watch this affect the middleweight rankings. Even though this wasn't officially a, a middleweight fight, just because the UFC is going to UFC. Or maybe watch them magically make um, Nazarene Imabov like no, like like number eleven in the world at light heavyweight. <laughs> That would be another thing that UFC is going to UFC. But yeah, um, Strickland coming off of two losses. Imovov has a lot of momentum towards him. Uh, he's the one training for this fight. This feels like Strickland is just being paid a buttload of money just to come in, take a little bit of a beating, but save the card. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with Imovov on this one. I, I think uh, Imovov by third round TKO. That's my prediction. It's still, it's still a five-round fight. Well, I think it'll go a little yeah, bit longer, but uh, I I think it'll be a third round fight. The people's main I, event though is, is the co-main event. If we're being if we're being yeah. honest, yeah, this is this is a much better fight at one forty five. Dan Ige taking on Damon Jackson. Ige Ige is a you know he's legit, although unfortunately he's coming off of three straight losses. He's still you know he has taken a bit of a beating, but you know he's still uh. Pretty talented fighter. And then Damon Jackson. And Zan, I'll be honest, Damon Jackson, I didn't use him for our awards about somebody to watch out for in 2023, but here's somebody who you might need to keep your eye on. Yeah, I like Damon Jackson a lot, and uh, I see him winning this fight. Um, And I'm going to pose this question to you because you said Danny Gay struggled this way, as you can see on the screen, losing four out of if, who was his lone win against again? I can't. I can't remember. Okay, so lost to Evolov, lost to Emmett, lost to Chan Sung Jung, Calvin Cater. He defeated uh, Gavin Tucker in twenty one in twenty two seconds in March of twenty twenty one. I can't even remember if Gavin Tucker is still in the UFC. That's how. That's how long it's been. <laughs> um, but yeah, he I also mean, has that controversial win over. Uh, he had the controversial win over Edson Barboza as well. And Zan, to answer your question, uh, well, he was supposed to fight Pat Sabatini twice and then withdrew twice, and we haven't seen him since. Yeah, so he's probably still uh, into the UFC. See, that's what happens when you have 700 fighters under contract. You can't keep track. Anyway, um, (laughs) 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 anyway. By the way, yes, Dan Ige did not beat Edson Barboza number one. And actually, the Josh Hammond fight, I thought he was going to win. But it's either here nor there. I do think this Yeah, is... well, Zan, I mean, these judges, these judges. Zan, these judges are just really weird sometimes. And Zan, you know what we say. It's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to ride the Damon Jackson train here. I think he wins pretty easily. I actually am picking him to win in the first round. I think he, I think he viciously finishes Dan Ige on Saturday. I, I could actually see that, Dan. I actually could see that. Dan, uh, Damon Jackson getting a first round, maybe even early second round finish over, uh, over Dan Ige. As far as just the rest of this card, Dan, I have to say, I, I don't know if I'm exactly excited for this card. I mean, 
there's a little excitement after UFC being away for a few weeks, but like considering the two made of the double title fight we've got next week, it's like this this feels like an appetizer. The main course is gonna be next week's pay per view. Yeah, I am a little bit of a sauce about though because Umar Nurmagomedov is on this card and he Sticking out Rayoni Barcelos. Yeah, yeah, and he and he posted the picture of me of me and Usman. So I have a little bit I have, I have a little bit of a sauce spot. I, I, I definitely I don't blame you on that one. Uh, that's the, that's think- the that's the fight that I'm the most excited to watch. Hey, you want to talk about Dana White contender series that comes on this card? There's a bunch of them. Yeah, this is this is basically Dana White. Con- this is UFC Fight Night Dana White Contender Series. Let's be honest. Dana White Contender Series post Dana White Contender Series. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they now? UFC. Um. Uh. It, the, the the title of this event should be uh UFC um you um uh UFC Vegas sixty seven Las Vegas in the shadows. Or, or something, or something like that, or, or the, or the, or the Dark Ages uh, reincarnated. <laughs> that's what it. That's what. It, that's what it feels like to me. I definitely could understand that. All right, next week, as you said, as we said, Dando, next week, big week will be with you to preview UFC uh, two eighty three. Hopefully at UFC 283 we get a new UFC lightweight light heavyweight champion after all this time, and, and hopefully, hopefully the fight doesn't get canceled. We, 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 let's just hope that. Let's, we, 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 and let's just hope that uh, Figgy Moreno four is just as good as the other fight. It probably will be. I would. I would say so. Uh, but before we go, make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to ring that notification bell so you get notified of everything here at ETP Network. From MMA Outsiders to Empty the Bench, Game On, Fruity Cereal, Beyond the Bench, so much more. Follow us at MMA Outsiders ETB. Follow the network on social media, ETB Network. That's Zambando. You can follow him at Zambando99. And his work is at BJPen.com. I'm Tom Albano. Find me at Thomas J. Albano, Tom Talk Sports 9. And you can find my work over at Fansided MMA. So, Zan, I have to say, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to see you on the other side. And uh, already 2023 has started out as a little bit of a crapshoot. Let's hope it doesn't continue that way. But I will say, as I said at the beginning of this episode, MMA has no offseason. And uh, that'll probably end up being the case for the rest of the year. And by April, you and I will probably be uh, tapped out. But not as bad as... uh, not as bad as when Nate Diaz made fun of Conor McGregor for tapping out um, multiple times and calling him Conor McTapper instead of uh, Conor McGregor. I-, I just had to. I just had to do it. I had to do oh, it. Sam, before we go, what did you think of that little tweet from Conor saying he's going back? I'll, I'll give you my response. <laughs> I'll believe it when the UFC actually announces that fight. Um. My response was numb, and my response was um, okay, and my response was also, "Is it going to be at? Is it going to be at UFC two eighty eight, or is it going to be at UFC three fifteen? It was funny. <laughs> so in other words, 
In other words, your response would be something like this. Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Oh my god. Stop fucking lying. Exactly. They could be at an entirely new weight class for all we know. And who knows? It could be in the weight class that he invented himself. We never the counterweight know. division. <laughs> you never you never know. <laughs> all right. Thank you for tuning into the first MMA Outsiders of 2023. Zam Vando on Remember, your new if you need a New Year's resolution, I have one for you. Be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper for ever and always. Thank you everyone for tuning in, and we will see you next week uh, to preview the card in Brazil. Thank you guys for uh, for listening and hearing our banter today. Even if you guys got a little bit bored. And, and if you need something new to do with your uh, celebrations, if you're still looking to celebrate the new year, even though it's been 10, 11 days already, how about you uh, do a little shoey here, like tie to Ivasa on my new shirt? <laughs> yeah, do, do, but we are not, we, we are not encouraging it. So if you, if you choose to do so, please do so. And so we, first, and no, and, and no, we are not endorsed by, uh, by shoeys, just so, just so you guys know. No, I just wanted to shout out uh, Tai Tuivasa for the shirt I got for Christmas. Uh, anyways, going off the rails a bit. Zan, I'm Tom. See you next week, everybody. Take care. Have a good one.